0: All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy, 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 enjoy. Welcome to episode 353 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, I'm joined by Marcus Almighty, Mark. Greetings. 69th Blizzard, Ken. Hey. And St. Louis, What's up? Uh. Gentlemen, been a couple of weeks since we last spoke about Kiss. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in to the Velvet Re- the Velvet Recorder, the Re- Velvet Revolver contraband <laughs> episode that we put up last week. That was fun to talk about that band. We are still well, actually, um, we're coming up with some ideas for some uh, fan votes, and Mark's going to be selecting the next album that we talk about on that show. At least i think that's mm-hmm. how it ended last episode right yes it did okay yep. i'm I'm halfway there all right so uh check that episode out what else do we have news wise paul stanley back in the studio with soul station what on earth could he be doing and how excited are you for that mark
1: uh i didn't even know he went back in so this is first word i've heard of it i've been kind of tied up with my own things of late so i haven't been on too much but you know hey if he's back with Soul Station, I probably won't be that excited about it. But you know, you never know. You never know what he'll come up with. Who knows? Maybe it'll be something that I might like this time.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, Lonnie.
1: It's
2: fine. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I guess. I mean, we talked about the album, and I and I listened to it, you know, in preparation for the show. But I don't, I, I don't think I've listened to it since. We discussed it on the show, you know, I so if he wants to do more of that, you, you won't okay. listen to it either. <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't. I, I haven't. I haven't been driving around. I go, ooh, you know what I want to listen to while I'm driving in a little soul station? No, it hasn't. It hasn't come up. So, you know, if, if, if that's what
1: I don't know, it's fine. Just like I said on the episode, it's fine, but it's not. I know what you want to say, Lonnie. You want to say, if that's what makes him happy, then you're happy. Sure. For if, if that's what he wants to do, fine. I, he, he's made it abundantly clear. He's not
2: interested in doing another Kiss record on multiple occasions. So if that's what you want to do, if that's what makes you happy, it's fine.
3: Ken? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I, well, I think it, my thinking is he's, Maybe recording a. They talked about piano. I think more of a like a unplugged kind of performance stripped of. Down. Pro, stripped down version, right? Of one of the songs that is probably already on his record for something. Maybe for some performance somewhere Or to show as a video somewhere. I don't know. That's just my guess. I could be way off. I don't think they're recording another Soul Station album. Some kind of bonus track. I just almost think that this there's it's just, it's just gonna be one soul station album um, but you never know <laughs> I guess it's it's all if Paul wants to do it I'm sure he'll do it um, so yeah whatever that's fine uh, if he's in the studio you know if you're gonna studio just tell us what you're doing you know if you're gonna just let put it out there I, I'd be more and you know if he was in the, gonna do a kiss one, if they were in the studio like we're in the studio with Kiss. like then I thought okay what what is it? What is it, you know? But for Soul Station I'm like like Lonnie, fine. fine. whatever.
0: No it doesn't it's gotta be the angry one. Fine then. Doesn't <laughs> you know, pique like... my it
3: doesn't pique my interest. <laughs> mm.
0: What if he was back in the studio with Soul Station re-recording some of his KISS songs in the R&B flavor that they were supposed to be heard the first time around? (laughs) (laughs) Lonnie wins that answer right there. (laughs) Blasphemy. Blasphemy. There you go. All right, so let's move on to the other news item of the day. And just announced KISS are going to be returning to the stage June the 11th following the screening of their new a documentary Biography Kistory um, at the Tribeca Festival they're gonna hit the stage so uh, that's New York of course and uh, well let's talk about Biography History*. what are your guys' thoughts on that you've seen a little bit of the blurb there was a fake one going around that had a former um, kiss manager doc mcgee that is not what is in the Boy, actual right. press release if you go over to <laughs> universal That's um smart. with the the band's manager doc mcgee producer bob ezrin that plays nicely on the recent photos of uh, paul and bob back together again um you know Mark, start with you. You know, what are your thoughts on this biography and some of the tweets that have been shared? Gene Simmons, of course, uh, making it very clear that some people had been invited and had declined.
1: Mm, Well, I mean, I'm a a fan of the A&E biographies. I've seen quite a few of them before, not just musicians, but like, you know, certain actors and stuff like that, too. So I I think A&E on the whole does a pretty good job of those kinds of biographies. But, you know, the problem with this, I think, is that because we know so much about KISS and we've gone in so deep into some of these things, will they put in stuff that, you know, we'll be surprised about, or will it be just more of the same stuff that we already know? Like, that's the thing I'm just kind of wondering about. And I mean, how much time do we ha- Do they have to, to, ta- to tell us their story, you know? I mean, it's not going to be a five-hour long program. It's going to be maybe like, what, an hour, hour and a no, half, maybe? No, no, it, <laughs> is,
0: it it is a four-hour documentary.
1: Oh really? In okay. two
0: parts. That is going to air on June the 27th and June the 28th. So oh. four hours, Mark, which uh, in America means probably three hours and an hour of commercials.
1: Okay, so well then that that makes it a little bit better because they have more time in which to portray, to portray what they want to show. And I, I think that you know if they do a if they have enough decent information at their hands and you know Paul and Gene. Cooperate and give us some decent information as well. Then I think it could be very good. You know, I mean, like I said before, I I, I like the A and E biographies, but the problem with you know this one compared to all the other ones is that I know limited things about these other things that I've watched. So to me, all all of it is pretty much new information. If I watch about an actor or I watch about somebody else, then it's you know stuff I might not know. And it's like, oh, this is great. I I learned so much. But with Kiss, you already know a lot of stuff. How much will I know that's new from this? I'm I'm curious.
0: Yeah, so the uh, press release goes on to – and again, this is just from Universal's site, paraphrasing the press release, which I haven't yet seen – features interviews with Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons as well as current members Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer. Based on a press release, it's unclear if former but founding members Ace Frehley and Peter Chris were interviewed for the film at the time of writing. And Gene today tweeted, um, when someone asked whether they were going to be in it, he said, uh, regarding your text, Step one, you do the decent thing and invite everyone to be in the documentary. Step two, they decline to be in the documentary. <laughs> so you respectfully move on and do it anyway. See? Lonnie.
2: As far, as far as learning anything, I, 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 don't think, I don't I really don't think I'm gonna gain any any knowledge or any kind of insight that that I haven't heard about. You know, I, I think maybe a casual Kiss fan, um, you know, maybe, oh, I didn't know the you know c- certain aspects of, of their history or that this happened. Um, as far as like the hardcore fan goes, I'm I'm inter- I'm more interested to see how it's portrayed more than anything else more more so than than gaining any knowledge of it what 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 already concerns me is what i think is going to happen is that i think they're really going to gloss over um 1983 to 1996 i think it's going to get um maybe f- 15 minutes at best i would i would <laughs> say um uh, remember, remember that that vh1 special they did like behind the Beyond the makeup or whatever it was, like an yeah. 01, and they they really detailed the history of the band, and really just glossed over the eighties, and then boom, here we are. We arrive in nineteen ninety six, and I have I have a, a strong feeling and suspicion that the same type of um, treatment is going to be placed on the on on the non makeup era, which I think is a shame because you know we we, we sing the praises of the non makeup era on this show all the time. I mean Julian and and Mark. Love Asylum, I love revenge. There are some of our favorite albums are those non-makeup albums. And Bruce Kulick's era in the band just gets overlooked. And I and I really think that's a shame. And I and I have a, a strong suspicion that the same uh, is gonna be done again. And then my, my other reservation too is just how Ace and Peter are gonna be portrayed. And and I and I and we know how Ace and Peter are gonna be portrayed. How they were they were the villains and Gene and Paul were just the saviors. And it's the same. It's a tired story at this point because we've we've seen that portrayal over and over and over again. Um, and 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 I think that that that's just that's that's the version of the story we're gonna get thrown at at not only us but at the casual Kiss fan and at, and at the general public who just happens to see that it's on TV.
1: But you know what? The thing that's gonna really bother me about that if they gloss over the '80s thing is that they're gonna skip over Eric Carr, which I think is an important part of the Kiss too. history. Yeah. You know, but he's got he's them... got a
0: competing documentary coming out that's been announced right. and being worked on, so they may feel that oh we can save our screen time for more important matters since he's going to get you know all of that on his own some mm-hmm. you know later on. Really? I still yeah. think it's just going to be glossed over. Well yeah just okay yeah.
2: It, it it's just so, but it's, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a shame that's going to get glossed
0: over. Yeah. Yeah no mm-hmm. I will be angry if they call. Peter and Ace, drug addicts, you know, and and continue to harp on about things that they haven't done in many years. I think I would like to hear... Paul Stanley and Gene say something to the effect of Ace had become a problem in such and such, and we're really proud that he's still alive and with us, and he's, you know, fighting his demons. I would love for them to say something positive, you know, and and not to say just to bring it up flippantly again as they always seem to, unfortunately.
2: You know, and I and I'd really like to see, like especially when they're talking about the 70s, talk about how integral those two were in creating that Kiss sound creating what the band was and and i I really hope that that they get the respect they deserve especially when they're talking about the 70s more than anything else how you know gene and paul had this vision for the band and they brought these two guys in who were the founding members and they completed that vision and were everything that they wanted it to be and, and and were a huge part in the success of the band i i hope that they at least get that kind of credit
1: in the documentary. Do you agree, Ken?
3: <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I hope they get that right. Um, the thing is, breath. originally when this was announced, it was announced as a two uh, a two hour thing. So it, it had grown in a year from two hours to four hours, hmm. uh, which is interesting. So maybe, you know, uh, that leaves me hopeful that they won't totally gloss over the 80s um uh, and kind of go through the vinnie vincent you know yeah. that stuff that happened with him mark st john bruce Kulick, the 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 shuffling of guitarists uh and then the chasing of trends <laughs> and stuff like that uh, i i think yeah it'll be the 80s will be less than the 70s uh um i'm i'm wondering how much much they're going to put into what happens between uh 2000 say 4 or whatever and now how much are they going to really put in there i would think it wouldn't be a whole lot except for about the you know the couple albums and their you know end of the road i'm sure they're going to focus on that obviously yeah. um but uh yeah I, I i'm hopeful that they well maybe
0: maybe eric goes missing again and they decide to do a show in australia Yeah. there
3: you go yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah that one yeah so I, i'm hopeful you know like we all are hopeful that we get some things we don't know which is probably not likely uh and but i guess like you know film footage uh that we haven't seen that that stuff would that's be my is like oh i've never seen that before you know yeah. stuff like that um behind the scenes kind of stuff like that i just don't want it to be the you know paul and gene show and it's just all their stories from their books wow. i know they originally said that they the writers or whoever producers were pulling from all four books so maybe they'll have gene saving you know drowning uh ace or whatever um <laughs> And stuff like that there, I, I, it would be interesting you know, that, that they'd mention anything like that too so we'll see yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah it's, it's
0: being produced by Leslie Grief or Greff um, I butchered that uh, who did produce uh, Family <laughs> Jewels so it. I think there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of familiarity in there directed by DJ Viola you know I'm hopeful that we're gonna get some eye candy in there you know I'm concerned that you know obviously people like Stephen Cornell or persona non grata really now I'm not even sure if he if he's out of jail whether he's allowed to use technology um, Mm -hmm. to get that story Marty Cohen Mm -hmm. can tell the story as well since he was there but uh, you know what's the relationship like for for the formation I mean I've been writing something uh, for a project um, about that era, and it would be so great to see that era put together properly about paul and his aura and you know coming together with gene and maybe that that'll be something that can be better portrayed in the biopic that's also being talked about at the, the same time that that one's been picked up uh, is that for netflix i think or amazon prime netflix. Can't netflix. Yeah. yeah can't remember which but you know one of the big to- topics around that is motley crew when they did the dirt recorded new songs should kiss make a point to either dust off some old demos tart them up you know slap a fresh coat of paint on you know take a paul vocal from 19 well didn't they do that before they just can't leave paul vocals alone and you start thinking about you wanted the best in 97 um i think there are ways that they could do it but there should be new music in some form on both of these whether in the documentary as incidental background music there's Queen for a Day playing you know while they're talking (laughs) about the recording of rock and roll over and you don't necessarily know it because it's just incidental music but again the key thing is I don't think there's a whole lot of new stuff to learn but Paul Stanley keeps surprising me with some of the stuff he pulls out of his closet you know whether it's photographs we've never seen before whether it's real to reals from Wicked Lester that we've never heard of, so I, I think as much as any of us say, well, I'm not going to learn anything new, I think they they have a propensity in their dotages of proving us wrong, don't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay I mean, that, yeah, That's I mean awesome. when they, yeah, when they showed that time when he pulled out that little cassette tape of that yeah. stuff that he had in the closet there, I mean that was that was surprising. I don't think anybody expected to see that, so you know like you said you never know right i mean and just my last comment about this whole bio thing uh the a and e thing is that you know it's going to be mainly though made to look to have paul and gene look great you know what i mean that's and it's going to be also of course used to help promote the ending of this whole end of the road tour it's going to i have a feeling a great deal of that will be focused on that as well because you know they're going to be wanting to promote this tour again to get it back up and rolling so i have a feeling that's going to be Big on that as well. Yep. Any last thoughts, Lonnie? Ken on biopic
0: or whatnot? Do you do you want them to be re-recording some Madonna hits? <laughs>
1: surprise
0: <laughs> me with something.
2: Surprise me. Surprise me with
0: with, with some
2: footage. I, I I'm with you. I, I would love to see some some kind of, of live footage or something that just to shock the hell out of us that mm-hmm. we'd never seen before. Um. Or you know, I as far as, far as recording music for it, I i would love to see it I, do, I don't see it happening but but as far as a documentary goes you know sh- sh- show me some footage some, some rare stuff some early stuff that we'd never seen before that would just like blow that the casual fan watching isn't going to know okay well there's there's some footage of them from from the 70s okay that's cool but like the hardcore fan watching it would just like fall off their couch watching it mm-hmm. you know that not that that would that'd be something
0: Yeah, and if they have Bob Ezrin back in the picture, it'd be really cool if they could be doing something similar to, you know, what happened during Odyssey era, um, you know, of playing demos and having Gene and Paul comment on them, you know, oh, I remember that one, you know, like was happening, you know, during that interview would be very cool um, to kind of have that kind of dynamic going, you know, playing some of these songs. Hey, Gene, you remember this, you know, from the Magnographic 1975 demos that was atrocious. Um, you know, playing it. No, I don't remember that. Is that me? <laughs> you know, Bob Bezer and then, you know, coming in and saying, yeah, I reviewed all that crap. We managed to t- get one song out of that. You know, just those sorts of things would be very interesting to have the audio cues of what Bob or a producer, it could be Eddie Kramer for that matter. He's He's still around you know listening to a demo and talking about that i'd love to see and and maybe it's been done and I, I just can't remember it you know play eddie kramer some of the 73 demo you know and have him talking about that again mm-hmm. um you know that sort of shit would yeah. really make me giggle that's all i care about at this point i don't i don't need to hear them narrating their books or the stories that we've heard before (laughs) i'd love to see them doing a little bit more of a documentary that actually talks about the music you know Mm. and and that's where you know if peter and ace have decided not to be involved you can't break down those guitar parts you know what were you thinking you know, when you played that, that uh, was just the first, you know, Curly, you know, uh, <laughs> or Peter, you know, you're playing a triplet, you know, and you're doing this. And maybe he can't express it, but he could say um, what he was trying to do or where it was coming from. Was, was it yeah. Beatles? Was it Krupa? You know, was it something else? That kind of stuff would really... Yeah, it'd be, awesome. be much more interesting than a narrative of the popular agenda. Sorry, I'm monologuing. Let's get into some of the other topics today. We didn't yeah. really plan out this show a very uh, succinctly. So it's just some random topics, some of which have been on the board, one of which was on the board, but it was also a Three Sides episode recently, which I uh, didn't know until after the fact. But you know okay. what? Hey, go watch the Three Sides episode on it as well. And you'll probably, I didn't see how long their, their show was. So maybe it's two hours of uh, what we'll cover in 10 minutes. So, Ken, you started out with a really yeah. good one and it was forty five years ago nineteen seventy six was it kiss's best year with Destroy and Rock and Roll over plus the whole package of costumes, energy, and stage shows. Lonnie, I'll start with you on Ken's topic
2: you know I, I I think you can make a strong argument for that for sure. I mean, two of their better two of their better albums, you know some people's favorite albums. some people might label those albums their their top two albums a, a lot of old school Kiss fans would label those two albums their, their favorite albums their entry point in the Kiss um stage show with, with the with the Destroyer tour those those iconic costumes from Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over. you could definitely make that argument that it that it was Kiss at their peak and before Crack started to show you know the late Love Gun maybe I don't even know if Cracks really ever started to show I think they were still clicking on all cylinders during Love Gun and Alive Two. But I I I, I think it, I think it's it's a one and a one a actually if you can if you're gonna consider 76 or 77 as, as their best years with mm-hmm. Love Gun and Alive 2. The stage shows even bigger for Love Gun and Alive 2. Those costumes may be even cooler for Love Gun and Alive 2 in 77, but you can definitely make the argument that it's kiss at their prime before um some cracks in the foundations started the show as far as ego and, and drugs and alcohol or, or whatever vice that one of the original whatever vice that the original member was was addicted to, whether it was ego and money or, or drugs or whatever. But I think 76, you, I definitely I definitely think you can make that argument that it was them at their pinnacle before things started to erode.
0: Ken, I deliberately didn't go to you first, so right. you know because I, right. I almost I almost think I know what you're going to say. You know, what is your take on that? Is it 76 or is it well, 76, 77 because of the crossover, and then 77,
3: 78 because of the crossover there. Right, 77, 78. Yeah. Well, yeah. 40. I mean, I knew I picked the year. You know, 45 years ago, because I, I was thinking, what what's going on about 45 years ago. And that was I like, thought oh, okay 76 and I started thinking shoot that was a pretty pretty good year <laughs> um, you know with they released Destroyer has a bunch of great songs on there um, and and then Rock and Roll Over which is my favorite Kiss album um, and then the the costumes at that time were the real change from you know up to a live live were pretty good but then they got like it was really superhero, more kind of stuff, and Jean's armor and, and, and so on was was just fantastic. Um, so they did that, and then they were still hungry, even though you know at that time um, I think yeah, the famous success was starting to really come in at that time, um, but it didn't overtake. Overtake them like I think it started probably in 77, 78, where it kind of was going to their heads um, uh, (laughs) and things like that. Um, Though they were still, you know, pretty on top of the world in 77, obviously. Um, So, yeah, so I was thinking, you know, know, 76 may have been their peak uh, as far as, you know, music, performance, uh, because, you know, Love Guns a good album but it's not as good as you know rock and roll over i think it's a little 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 dip um so i think that was their peak year two great albums good stage show yeah it wasn't the love gun stage show yeah that would have been even better um but their energy and their hunger i think was still there and uh and they were exciting and the music was good so i thought yeah that's probably their their peak in in my opinion
0: Now, Mark, knowing your propensity to not be in favor of the first of those albums from 1976, (laughs) what is your take on it?
1: Um, This might surprise you, but um, I have to agree. I think 76 might be their peak era. I mean, look, everybody knows well what I think of Destroyer, but there's no question that their costumes and the kind of stage show that they started doing live at that point went up significantly, for sure, you know. And I also think that Rock and Roll Over, which is my favorite uh, album as well from the KISS catalog, I definitely think that at that point they were really gelled well at that point. I mean, you got to remember, Destroyer, for as much as we say it's such a great album now, if you go back to the books and read it, you know, that album came out, they expected huge things from it, and it stalled for a long time, that record. It wasn't a big home run that everybody now, you know, years later says it is, because back then, it, it almost bombed on them. If they didn't have Beth take off for them, then that record probably wouldn't have sold nowhere near as well as it did. So... You know, I think at, at that point they still had that drive and energy for their live shows to kind of, you know, bring in more and more people. They wanted to still prove themselves because, you know, that record didn't prove anything yet. It was rock and roll over where it's, things started to level, you know, off and they were starting, starting to sell, you know, good amounts of albums and stuff like that. And in that era, you know, that whole rock and roll over era, I've, I'm, it's one of my favorite ones. Like some of my favorite favorite live boots are from that tour. And one of my favorite ones, period, is the Japanese one. I remember when I had my Black Diamond book that came out years and years ago. I remember that when I flipped through it, they were talking about this infamous Japanese show. Because I didn't have any of these bootlegs yet at that point when I had the book. And they are saying that this kiss show you have to see because they're wearing Destroyer costumes, playing mm-hmm. music from rock and roll over, but they have the new Love Gun stage already in use at this point so it's like three albums merged into one kind of mm-hmm. idea on there so I was like, wow i gotta see this so of course when i finally went to conventions and stuff that was one of the first ones i picked up and that show, in my opinion delivers very well like they play so well on that show I- i've always been a big fan of that show so i definitely agree that 76 is a big 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 year for the band you know i mean sure 77 they had the bigger tour as far as like the shows and stuff like that with love gun like the stage show looked a lot bigger and you know but I, I think at that point they were getting comfortable with the fact that they were now big stars i think that that point from destroyer over to rock and roll over they were getting comfortable but they still weren't 100 percent yet like they said because even in the interview there was that interview that gene and them did in some hotel room where they were quick to downplay Destroyer and saying that they're going back in and doing a new record that's all really hard. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah, Yeah, hard rocking and stuff like that. So you can tell even back then they weren't comfortable yet with, you know, that they were on firm ground successfully. So it's an interesting period, but I think it's still probably their peak time. Yeah,
0: they were scared. They weren't willing to be like Alice Cooper, who progressed with Bob through several albums right. of growth and development because he went straight in with them and basically took them from one album to five albums ahead in one shot. So he, yeah. he, had, he had already done that with Alice and he already knew what he wanted to do with the band. So I think it is 76, without a doubt. Because that was the first time they really had money to put into a stage show as well with Destroyer. Once glickman Marks comes into the picture and there's money and they built this massive set with tumble-down walls, with ele- the electric, um, the lightning machine, you know, the trees. and the ball- Yeah, the Frankenstein yeah. stuff, uh, the turrets and everything, you know, it... it it was really the first time they had the opportunity to go over the top and to be as big in their in their heads as they w- were going to be on stage. You know, we have the money to build it. Whatever we can dream, we can do. You know, so there was a lot of yeah. loans being taken probably early on to put that Destroyer tour together because, yeah. you know, they'd come back from Canada in April where they'd wrap, basically wrapped up the, uh, the live tour cycle and all the postponed dates and and hybrid but then you have that transforming into rock and roll over, which is just stunning. I mean, it, it really is yin and yang. It's, you know, they're at uh, their most artistic, being taken as far as Kiss could really go uh, creatively with Bob, and then going back to the very best they could do in, in you know, their, their true form. So the best of both worlds. And then as. Um, one of you said, I think Mark, it was you said it. They get to the end of the Rock and Roll Over tour, and you get Love Gun stage coming in for the Japan. So mm. it, it it is stunning. 77, 78, Love Gun, you know, is their draw the line in some ways for me. There's so many parallels between those two albums and the times mm. at which they're taking place. It's too polished, but the stuff off Alive of too does the studio stuff does kind of also do a similar sort of thing as was the case with uh destroyer and rock and roll over that it was a tougher sounding version of very similar material on love gun and then Mm -hmm. of course you take the sound of all the live stuff on that album as well but 76 without a doubt the energy Mm -hmm. they were fresh they were still clean they were still hungry they they had only just mm-hmm. had a taste. They had not mm-hmm. gotten fat and lazy. Hollywood shopping, <laughs> disco, <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> sn- snorting everything under the sun, and drinking champagne. So, yeah, wow. That, I want to see some really good footage of stages from Destroyer. I hope there there's something in mm-hmm. the documentary that we actually get to see a lot of that. And and you can see it in some of the videos if you're very if you pay attention. But I'd just love to really get a good shot of that. All right, this is the topic that came from Three Sides. Uh, Ken, you mentioned it. You know, pick Kiss's last great album, last good album, and first bad album. So thank you, Three Sides, for that topic. Um, Ken, let's start with you.
3: Yes. Um, so it was... Uh, I know it was on Three Sides, and I don't know if it originally came from there, but I know it was on our board, too, so... I said ah, it's it's pretty good time. Nothing's original
0: um, in rock and roll. Uh. <laughs>
3: yeah. <clears throat> All right. So um, yeah, and, and and one one thing I know is I, I did listen to some of that and uh, that three sides and uh, what really doesn't make sense to me is I and Mark Mark Caccini, um he picked as his last great album for Kiss uh, was Monster. And, and to me I'm like how could anyone say Monster is the last great Kiss album um, and I thought you know he's, he's just I think sold out to you know Gene and Paul and and because uh, it, it doesn't ooh, make it there's really going to be
0: much. a voice of reason Mark Chikiti death deathmatch <laughs> coming out nice. that's a, that's a,
3: I just think he sold out
0: come on boys I, stoke the fires
3: stoke the fires yeah. yeah, I mean, how, how could that be the last great kiss? I mean, I think of, okay, it's it's very, it's good. That one for me is just good. I know it's all perception, whatever, but he's been a Kiss Hand fan since way back. And uh, I just can't believe you he, he could really compare that to some of the other earlier albums going back in years um, and call it great. Uh, I, I think it's a good album very good is not on even on here. So I, it's not even very good in my opinion. There's some very good songs on it, but no, no, just for, for picking that. I think that's like a dishonorable discharge from the kiss army. So anyway, uh, <laughs> now go. tell
0: us how you really feel, you know, no need to, no need to, you know, well, get... <laughs> all
3: right. So last great kiss album, uh, in my opinion, last great kiss album. And it's kind of tough. Um, I almost went with what I thought you know, Lonnie would choose, which he would probably will. Um, but I, I went a little farther back. Um, uh, I went back to Lick It Up. Really? I went to Lick It Up as the last great Kiss Out. Um, I think of Revenge as very good, not just good, but very good. So there's, a, there's another kind of area there. In between great and good, I think very good revenge. So I just like looking up better. I don't know. It just it just is for me. It's always been that way. Um So that's my last great Kiss album. Do you want okay, to I want to go little... around. Let's do our switch, last. Switch. Let, let's start with last great, great and album, and then we can great. go to
0: <laughs> last good and first bad. Then we, you know, break things up a little bit. Lonnie, let's go to your last great Kiss album.
2: Well, oh, you Ken, called my, Ken called my. my shot. My the last. In my opinion, the last great, great KISS album is Revenge. I, 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 I'm with Ken. I, I don't see how you can put anything that came after that in the vein of greatness. Um, I, I, I don't see how you can put Carnival or Psycho Circus or Sonic Boom or, or Monster and trumpet them as being great KISS albums um I, I think a great kiss album needs to have a a certain it, it has a certain standard for me and and those albums do not reach it so for me revenge does but anything after that unfortunately, unfortunately I, I wish i could sit here and say yeah something that was released after 1992 is a great kiss album but i can't
0: and you won't and that's okay and I won't. <laughs> okay mark
1: well, the last great Chris Kiss album, I think, and uh, it's, you know, it's the same kind of thinking as you guys are saying. You know, there's no way in hell anything past, you know, let, let's put it this way, those last two, Sonic Boom and Monster, can't be in the same category. I mean, they're not anywhere near that level. But for me, my favorite or my the last great album that they did is Asylum. I think that that to me is the record that i still think to this day i can go back to and listen to beginning to end top to bottom always have a smile on my face i can put it in the car listen to it love it there's a reason why it's my favorite non-makeup kiss album and it's my number three kiss album overall in the grand scheme of my big list of kiss albums so i definitely think that that album is the last great album they did but i also think that that album kind of went to paul's head a bit you know I think that's because it is so good that he thought that he could produce everything from there on in and it'd be so as good as that but I don't think he ever equaled that production job.
0: All right, everyone's probably wondering is Julian going to agree with Lonnie or is Julian going to agree with Mark? Probably Mark. Revenge, no, I'm actually going to I'm agreeing with Lonnie. Revenge oh, is wow. definitely wow. The last great album. As much as I love Asylum and it's important to me, uh, as I always say, there's no way in hell Sonic Boom and Monster get into the equation. They were very, very good efforts, but the production ruins what is otherwise some very good material. But there are too many misses on both of them for them to qualify. Um, Psycho Circus, again, some very good material on the album fantastic production Um, I've gotten over the hump about the players on it because uh, it is what it is but in terms of overall what they were trying to do and what they accomplished Revenge is a great album it's a great sounding album a lot of effort went into it a lot of attention to detail so no matter how much I would like to annoy Lonnie I have to agree with him Maybe that annoys him. <laughs> 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 All right, Lonnie. You, you, you win that round getting two votes for revenge. There we go. All right. Uh, the last Good Kiss album. Good is such an open-ended uh, so vacuous, pointless. Mark, let's start with Good. The, the last, it was OK. Um,
1: you know, OK is such a broad generalized term i mean you could pick pretty much anything that's not bad you know that's how you kind of look at it it's good you know but you know if i'm going to mention a record then I, it kind of falls into two kind of categories which is like you know old stuff or newer stuff now again i don't count those two records at all in this even in good to be honest with you uh but i think it would be, uh, and I narrowed down really to two albums, and that's uh, "Dressed to Kill." I had as as a as a good album, and I also put down as well um, "Dynasty." I thought it was a good album, but for me, I think you know, I, I think "Dynasty" is is going to be the one I'm going to pick. I think it's a good album. It definitely has good memories for me. Like I said, it always gives me this kind of feeling of New York City when I hear it. It's a good album. But I don't think it's as good as Asylum, and I don't think it's as good as some of their other ones. But I think it's it's a it's a pretty good album. So, I, I, hang on a second. <laughs> because is, is it their last good album? Is that, is that the question? No, I think it's just pick a good album. I think that's what you said. No, the last good album. So there's last good album. There's okay. been nothing good last since Dressed okay, to okay. Kill. Wow, okay, you okay, hung no, on. No, no, no okay okay sorry I I, I I misunderstood that if it's the last good album then I'm going to say Crazy Nights that to me is the last good album because Mm. after that to me I mean I don't like uh, Hot in the Shade it wasn't wasn't good at all you know and you know Revenge is kind of tinted with Bob Ezrin's involvement although it is a much better record than he ever did with Destroyer and stuff like that but I I don't I don't you know Still it's got Crazy Nights has Yeah but I mean that's the thing Crazy Nights has really grown on me over the years I I didn't really like that album as as much at all but over the years it's really grown on me in stature I mean especially when I started to hear some of these uh, earlier versions of it that didn't have as much keyboards on and stuff like that that record could have been a really really fantastic record if it was approached differently
0: hmm Maybe crazy nice is a little bit like syphilis. Eventually, it makes you go mad, and you like it. Okay. Mm. All right, let's go back to, to Lonnie, the last good Kiss album.
2: My, I thought about this, but and I, and I'm Ken might call me not, that I've sold out here, no. but I'm gonna say the last good, I'm gonna say the last good Kiss album was Sonic Boom. You I'm sold not, out. You I'm sold not, out. I am not a fan of Monster or the or the or the production on Monster, um, but when Sonic Boom came out, I loved it when it came out. And as time has gone on, I don't love it anymore, but I do consider it a good album. There are there are a lot of good songs on there um you know it, it had been since 98 since they had put out an album you know i i, I think and you know they went back and kind of you know you can listen to some gene stuff that he really kind of redid some some old stuff and and tried to and, and put it out there to try to recreate some some an older type of vibe or older type of kiss type feeling mm-hmm. um i say sonic boom is good i i i can't put monster in the category as good but i definitely can do it for sonic boom i i still say it's a It's a good record. It doesn't have this brick wall production that Monster has. And I and I and I can't I can't sit here and say Monster's a good album, but I I I can I can definitely say it for Sonic Boom that it's a it's a
0: good kiss record. Interesting. Yeah, I can only say Monster has some good moments on it. Mm -hmm. Rather than being a good album. Ken Ken, you gave Lonnie the thumbs up when he was talking.
3: Yeah. uh, I was surprise um no i i think i agree with lonnie Uh sonic boom Um, wow
1: lonnie's on fire today
3: he's got two matches today um so (laughs) sonic boom yeah um i think it is their last you know yeah good um monster falls a little bit below it so it's kind of like between good and poor (laughs) um and it's not now, good is good, but it's not very good. So there's are very good ones that are not great, of course. It's
4: solid. On my well, scale
3: you know, here. It's solid. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's solid. It has a lot of, like you know, we say, good songs on there. Martin Day, De Delilah, Say Yeah. and these I mean, Say Yeah, they play in concert, right? Still one of the, well, it's the last song uh, or the most recent song that they use, still use in concert. Um, and then a lot of great Gene stuff on there. Um, and they tried on that one to sound like themselves. You know, they tried to go back to the retro and try to sound, and they sounded kind of like some of it sounded more like their 80s kiss um, <laughs> to me, uh, at least sound wise, uh, though they had some 70s riffs mm-hmm. in there on yeah. that one. So. I thought yeah that's the last you know good it's a it's a good album it's not bad it's not great but it's right there in the middle I think that's the most recent one it was a good attempt
0: Yes I'm going to agree with you both you know Wow Yeah nice. 3 Yeah <laughs> again the production ruins Monster even though it's got some outstanding songs that I think are better overall than any song on Sonic Boom but I think Sonic Boom touched on a lot of things. Number one, what makes it good, is that it wasn't the last Kiss album. It had erased all the pain of Psycho Circus, I've said that before.
1: Right.
0: It had all the little elements that you had, things that sounded like something off Asylum, something that sounded like off The Elder, something that sounded 70s, or an mm-hmm. updated riff on something Ace would do. So it was a potpourri of kiss um, sonically. Uh, and the attention to detail to the packaging, r- regardless of how well it looks now, yeah. and it not not quite having the same panache as Rock and Roll Over, it was still a great effort to make something eye-catching, something different for the band. Mm-hmm. So you know, even though it was being sold in Walmart, uh, for for better or worse, <laughs> it, it was a great experiment. Right. So it's Which a good was the out. Was
2: fat at the time? That was the fad at oh, the Oh, it, it, was, to- the it was totally the fad. And, fat.
0: and you, yeah. you know what? They probably got a really good deal out of it because they were Kiss. Yeah. And that Kiss was coming out with the first album in 11 years. So, you know, for better or worse, for whatever it matters, you know, like Ken just said, Say so Yeah is still in the set at the end of the road. So... It's it's a good album. There there are a couple clunkers on there without a doubt. Both one by Paul, one by Gene in particular. Um, but it is a good album. Yeah. So, you know, easy. All right. What was Kiss's first bad album? Mark. First and bad.
1: Wow, you really have to ask me what what I think the first. I do because hell. it's it's a question. It, it, the okay. question so is written on, down, you know and there I'm
0: not goes. gonna I'm not gonna assume that you're not gonna say something like hotter than hell.
1: Well, I mean, some people would probably say that. You know, they probably would say yes, they don't. The sound of it is terrible and this and that. But you know, to me, it's it's always gonna be Destroyer. Destroyer to me is the first, you know, swing and a complete miss, like fall on the ground, you know face full of dirt record you know so and like i said i mean it's mainly because it's just not kiss to me it's i like bob ezrin on other bands when he did stuff like with floyd and stuff like that and with alice cooper i think he does a great job and i own records that he's produced believe it or not so but with that record it's just it took Kiss from somewhere where I was, you know. Could you imagine somebody who followed the band from the very, very beginning, like the first album? He gets the first one, Hotter Than Hell, Dressed to Kill, Alive comes out, yeah, and then he puts this on, and they're like, "What the?" Like I know, and I know because I've heard my sister tell me many times that that was the reaction that her and the people in her friend group said when they heard it. They could, they couldn't believe what they were hearing when they heard this album the first time. You know, it was not what they were expecting. It's not that it's a bad record per se. But it's just not a record that gels with me because I don't like the piano and all these other things. He turned them into something that they just weren't. I think Julian brought up an interesting comment where he said that with Alice Cooper, he took Alice and over time he brought Alice to a certain point, but with Kiss, he brought them there and like right away. Like there was no build up to that thing. If he would have came in and did something a little bit like maybe introduced the piano first into their music and then he started adding orchestra stuff. And this stuff then maybe i would have gotten a little bit more into it if i was eased into it but it was just like a shock to me you know i like detroit rock city as a song but i've always loved it live better than i loved it on the studio album because it just to me sounds weak compared to how i hear it live and stuff like that so that's why i've always said that's a bad record for me for me
0: that's absolutely fair enough. There is no wrong opinion. Um, I'm going to say their first bad album was Love Gun. Because they mm-hmm. w- they went from getting it all right with Eddie on uh, Rock and Roll Over, and then they polished off everything that they had captured and put on some substandard material as well um, on Love Gun. So, strictly for technicalities... And technical yeah. reasons, even though it's got some incredible songs. Obviously, Love Gun. Obviously, Christine 16. Obviously, I Stole Your Love. Obviously, oh yeah, Shock Me. Just I'm... polishing off everything that you had just managed to capture so perfectly. Shame on you, Lon.
2: <laughs> Julian makes a good argument for Love Gun. I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that you know, you can, you can name off some some great songs on there. But you know, and just like and just like my like mark said you know there's there's great songs on destroyer you know but mark has his reasons why why he doesn't care for the album but i couldn't pick one of the original six studio albums as being the first bad kiss album because i hold those first six studio albums in such high regard and i i couldn't do it so for me the first and it, and it it's hard to say it was your first bad kiss album because I like every kiss album to a certain degree. you know, they you know they, they morphed over time and changed their 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 sound and changed their approach and and I and I and I love them all in in different ways. Um, you know, and and I listen to them some more frequently than others. But for me, the going in chronological order, the first bad, kiss album i'm gonna go with unmasked Mm -hmm. um i i can't say dynasty because there's a lot of good stuff on dynasty but unmasked is the album that i go into chronological order for me just really is the first one that really falls short of the mark Mm -hmm. um where yeah they were there were People call Dynasty the Disco Kiss album, and it's not. We've 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 talked about that extensively over the years on this show. But for me, they they just went too poppy on Unmasked. While there's some great material on Unmasked, we've talked about this too. That had it had it the production been different on Unmasked and 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 stripped down, I, I think Unmasked could have been a much heavier and much better album. But for me, Unmasked is just it's just too poppy and i i really got to be in a mood to listen yeah. to that album from start to finish now i may have a kiss playlist on with some random stuff from all the eras of the band and an unmasked song comes on and i'm fine with it and i can listen to it i don't i don't just immediately hit skip but i really have to be in a mood just to, to drop the needle on unmasked and listen to that from start to finish um i i, I don't i don't know the last time i really i really did so it's
0: that one for me, their first bad album, if I have to pick one. Now, let me ask you something, Lonnie. Sure. Vinny Poncia had produced, obviously, Peter Chris's solo album, which oh. sounds fantastic. Okay. And um, uh, to me, anyway. And yes, I am okay. Yeah. I did take my medicine today. Um, <laughs> and obviously, Dynasty sounds excellent. Did he just overdo it? Do you think the songs, if they sounded like his production work and the overall band performance on Dynasty, that the material on Unmasked would be any better, or is it the material and the production? I think it's the production more than anything else. I like a lot of the
2: material on Unmasked. I think I think there's some real quality stuff on there, but I think it's a combination. Did Vinny Poncia get too polished? But I think it's a combination of Vinny Poncia... And the band get too polished with that. They saw the commercial success they had with I Was Made For Loving You, which mm-hmm. was viewed as more of a pop song and, and a disco song, for lack of a better word. We, we've all heard that. But I, I think they saw the success they had with that and, and tried to springboard off of that into Unmasked, and it ended up being too much. Um, and they, they they overdid it. You know, hence why they didn't even tour. It was a first album that they didn't tour America on because yeah. it, it it fell short.
0: Yeah, you go from X-ray eyes to She's So European. Yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of sums it up. Talk to me.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I like She's So European.
2: Well, yeah, I like it, but <laughs> I, come I like on. It too, but yeah, I But
3: in, <laughs> in terms of character,
2: I, I think it, the song could have been a lot better, though. At the same time, I
3: agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ken, first Bad Kiss album. <clears throat>
3: First of all, two of you touched I tend to the. Say there's classic. no such thing. <laughs> two, yeah, <laughs> not really. Well, yeah. Two, two, The well, is uh, so it two? You chose classic six uh, of the first six classic video studio, studio albums. Was surprising. Well, not so surprising. Um, and most of it seems to be uh, around the three so far is about production. Is really what killed those three albums. Uh, to a degree so which which may be why i picked the one i'm gonna pick um is i'm going but i'm going past those past every one of yours and i'm going all the way to hot in the shade wow. mm. i what think a, that's the a real first bad <laughs> come on Sold out. Uh, wait a minute. Love you Gun is out. Love Gun is bad. First bad. I mean, it's it's good. It's still a I to me. It's very good, very good. Um, but anyway, um, and Destroyer. I you know what, Mark. I I do agree though <laughs> that, that those uh, like Detroit Rock City. I had Live Two first. I listened to Detroit Rock City live, uh, and then when I finally bought, went back and bought Destroyer and I listened to them like why is why the guitar so so low in the yeah know, that that was that was a the problem there i agree I agree and that's why a lot of fans at the time were shocked um, and and the album didn't sell that well so yes so I, mark I mark
0: has out. validity and I don't okay so moving <laughs> on
3: yeah, yeah. moving on anyway. So, yeah, so Hot in the Shade, there's another production kind of thing there. You know, we're talking more demo kind of form stuff. Uh, Too many songs, we talked about it. It could have improved it by consolidating down to a shorter album and, and a very good production, you know. Some of the songs that are on there are pretty good, but it's, to me, it's the first real, you know, I guess I we can call it bad album, I guess misstep? it's kind of poor, poor album. I'll call it. Um, yeah. It's a misstep. One of the, or kiss step or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my pick for that one. Um, I, I just think it's some of the songwriting's not too good on there. There's something definitely throw throwaways on there. Yeah, it was demos. They just tried to take the cheap way out of things and, and uh throw another album out there so it was not a good decision you know decision to do that but that's the one i picked
0: let me explain myself because for me it would have been crazy nights because I, if I go right. from when I enter the picture, the first Bad Kiss album was the first new Kiss you... album for me, you know. So that, that's why I thought uh, back yeah. and I said, what was a similar situation for the band going from a, an album that sounded like Asylum to one that sounded like Crazy Nice? And that has always been an analogy for me between Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun. You know, regardless of, there are some damn fine songs on Crazy Nights as well. Um, yeah. But just the sonics of it. Love Gun has Then She Kissed Me on it. I mean, for God's sakes. True. You know, it, yeah. yeah, you've got Shock Me. It doesn't
2: make a bad album because it has Then She
0: you've Me. You've got Shock Me, but you've got Then She Kissed Me. Almost human. It's just a lazy rewrite of God of Thunder. I mean, it's cliched. It's like um, Friday the 13th, Love part nine. Chicken. It's you know, a it, great song. It's the Fonz. It's the Fonz, Jump <laughs> the what's Shark. Funny,
3: what's funny is no one had even t- talked about or touched the Elder. And it, you know, it went just maybe. Because fun, it's not but, a bad I'm, kiss album. A lot of people would say a lot of people yeah, not, <laughs> A lot of people would say the It's album. just a bad kiss album. It. Okay. It's yeah, a good, they great were. album, but But it was artistic. But that, and it was different. I, I love that it's album. Amazing. It's and that's why I, I wouldn't have ever picked it. You know, I, I do love that. It's an A for effort.
0: Sometimes you try really hard, and you just get the gold it star. It was just the musical
3: direction they went was a bad choice. Oh, and um, that's
1: also, you're asking what the first one is for you, right?
3: True. So, so that was your second one, probably. Then.
1: Yeah, most likely it would have been, yeah. <laughs>
3: okay. Another Bob Ezrin produced
0: Just just think of the people who were fans in 73, 74, and going through that. And, you know, they go through Destroyer. They get assaulted by the solo albums. They get to unmask. And if they survive that, then they got elderfied. You know. Now,
1: I I have one question for you guys. If we have enough time to just have have one more little topic to discuss. Yes. Mark, absolutely.
0: Since I do all the talking.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I'm very, very curious to get your guys' opinion on this because. I, I have mine on this topic, and I was surprised by my reaction to it because of late I was not impressed with many things that KISS have done, okay? But I was really surprised with this, and I'm curious about your guys' reaction. So as you guys know, we're going to be receiving those soundboard recordings soon, the Tokyo 2001, and they released the first song off it that they put on live stream, which is the "You were, I Was Made for Love You. And I listened to it when, I came, when some, one of my friends posted me and said, Hey, it's on here, check it out. So I went and listened to it. I was pleasantly surprised. I really like it. I, I think that it's raw enough and believable enough of a performance that I really liked it. You know, sure, it's not perfect. If you listen to it on headphones, you can, you know how Ace used to always say, I hate playing that song because it hurts my wrist because of that little riff, right? and you can hear it when you listen to it on headphones he's going like dugga, 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 dugga. he's not playing it perfectly at all because of that he and i know he hates playing that right but baked. it doesn't bother me and mm-hmm. and when i'm listening to gene's basses thundering it's loud on there just like in a kiss concert he's really present in the mix you know and eric singer fantastic drumming you know great drums and people are saying oh you know the vocals are a little far back but you know what in KISS concerts the vocals are not always blasting up in front on you know on the live performance it's sometimes settled back a bit in the mix overall I think it's really good and if the whole album sounds like this then man I'm happy that I took a chance and said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this and I and I did I bought the the colored one or whatever it is there yeah. And uh so I'm happy that I did because if this is the result of what I'm gonna be hearing for everything, like that sort of a mix, that kind of feel, that real soundboardy kind of you know recording, then I am a happy camper for once and kisses made me happy.
0: Oh. Lonnie, what's your what's your take?
2: Um, I am too. I, I listened to the I Was Made for Loving You song on on Spotify. Um was cleaning up my garage Saturday and I was like, Oh I wanna I, I knew that was out there, like I wanna listen to that and i had it on i'm just like i was like, that's really good mm-hmm. and and paul paul's again the vocals are, are aren't, aren't as dominant but paul's singing his ass off on that song mm-hmm. and i love it i love his vocals on that song he sounds so good um so i'm i'm excited i i was i, I felt like a like a 13-year-old Kiss fan listening to that, like, I, I can't wait to hear the rest of it. I, I was really excited and was, you know, I, I I, knew I was, I mean, I was excited about this release. Like, oh, they're finally doing something that we've talked about on this show forever. You know, release some of this stuff, put some of this stuff out there. And they're finally doing it. And then I got a sample of it. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. This is mm-hmm. exactly, exactly what I wanted for a long time. And, you know, I, I hope the Kiss Army, um eats this up because i i want more of stuff in this vein i want more of these you know we talked about this is a 20 they said, well they're doing this because the 20th anniversary of kiss playing tokyo on the farewell tour well give me something from japan 45 years ago like we just talked about in the same vein
0: yeah
2: how cool would that be
0: yep no i agree I was thrilled when I heard it. I was like, this sounds good. This sounds so much better than a live four, you know, Millennium Concert or The Last Kiss. Uh, Oh, my goodness. It sounds good. It's vibrant. It's just tweaked in the right way to be to sound bombastic so I, I agree with you both if the rest of it sounds as good as that i'm going to be a happy camper i got to remember to order the cd i'm not buying the cow pat looking clear vinyl that looks okay. like it's got a cat sphincter on it no um because even a as a trip even a show even as a, even <laughs> as a triple record mine That's would arrive with a scene split. so i'm not ordering any vinyl i'm done i'm so but hurt. That's there. You go. <laughs> there <it is. laughs> uh, um, uh, but I, I'm very excited about it. Ken, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I, I heard it too. A snippet of it, uh, actually. Um, and I thought, yeah, it does sound really, really good. And I was made for loving you. Live is not one of my favorite songs. Live, um, but it sounded real good. And so, yeah, I expect the rest to sound that good. Did I hear that? Um, who produced? Tom, did Tommy Thayer is he producing that uh, this album or? I don't know why I think he is. Uh, who maybe he,
1: executive producer, maybe?
3: maybe. Yeah, maybe it's that. Um, the, the other question I have for Lonnie though is: so did you cancel your target to buy the the cat sphincter version? <laughs> on, you don't even know what you're <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> actually, actually, I did.
3: There you go. I I was wondering because you're gonna get the black vinyl from Target, but since Kiss had uh, oh. online had the color oh, version, got- plus they have black. I actually oh, got. Well, I got. I got the black and the. Colored one. I got both. Wow. Well, I, I did Thank say you. that they should have that done splurged. white vinyl
0: with a red splotch in the middle, riffing off the Japanese imperial flag. You know, if, yeah. they, if they could, that would have been a little bit neater. But you know what? It doesn't matter. This is the stuff we've been begging for. So I hope people do support it, whether, you know, getting iTunes Digital, Amazon, wherever you get your digital music, but you know, get the album, buy the LP. Kiss Online has a bunch of bundles because, you know, you can get a t shirt to go with that, a set of cards and guitar picks. Yeah. And stuff like that, so they are going all out. The uh, Ace Frehley Greatest Hits Live on Black Vinyl did ship as well, so people got those. There's a nice uh, misprint on the back cover: Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, oops, that's like one I of my books. Stranger. Oh my god. I did order the T-shirt with with
2: uh, that had the, the band photo with Eric and Ace on it. Um, oh. It wasn't part of the bundle, but I ordered that shirt. Separate. How cool is that to have? that lineup on a t-shirt i mean i don't, yeah. I don't own a t-shirt with that lineup yeah. on. i mean yeah. only the the nerdiest of the nerdy kiss fans are gonna look at that and go oh look at that that's cool but yeah I'll be, I'll be damn proud walking around it, though, even though no one will
0: know what the hell it is. <laughs> yeah, well, while I'm not interested in the slightest in the merch, I think it's a great idea, you know, and it is kind of quirky and different. So, you know, kudos to KISS for getting an archival release out, you know, and to do some merch and some packages for mm-hmm. people who are interested in that type of thing. And if you want cat sphincter vinyl, you know, you're in luck. And kind of I nice just... signed up for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Mark, that was a great topic to end on. Thank you. All right, that's it for this week. You know, Who knows what we'll do for the show next week. Uh, Mark is busy thinking about the next Look It's Rock and Roll episode and album, so hopefully he will have made his choice so we can start listening to it. Uh, Should be another couple of uh, fun episodes coming up soon, uh, both on this show and elsewhere. So uh, for now, from Lonnie, Mark, Ken, and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
4: Monster. It's been a long time since we've rock and rolled But that all changes this August as Rock and Pod returns to Nashville This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters For an unforgettable rock experience Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show And current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Except, and more stage panels signing sessions and photo ops will be available plus lots of final and memorabilia vendors music podcasters from all over north america will be appearing on site for live interviews speaking sessions networking and more got a music podcast register and join us Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skiel and his new band Resist and Bite, making their debut performance, as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. and Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Enkeptia.
0: Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds.